Just give me one second. I will totally appreciate it. We need to share that audio. That's what it is. We got to share that audio, people. All right, listen, we're going to run it back. We're going to run it back. Let me know if there's an echo. World that Columbus said he had discovered. Now, racism never existed on the earth until the 1400s. Never had it. There was no such thing as racism. You had people, for instance, who, who had practiced various forms of discrimination. We even had slavery. But to be enslaved prior to the 1400s for only three reasons. Either you were a victim of a, of a religious persecution, or you, were, you had some indebtedness and was enslaved, or you were a prisoner of war. Those are the only three reasons you could be enslaved until the 1400s. About 1442, when uh, Magellan, uh, uh, he went around the navigator, Henry the Navigator, rather, went around the coast of Africa and picked up about 16 blacks and brought them back in 1442 and gave them to the Pope as gifts. And those, those slaves worked around the Vatican in Italy from 1442 and about, and about 1488. And it became a good thing to have all these blacks working free around the Vatican and in the Pope space. No labor to be paid for. <clears throat> Other people wanted those advantages. So Pope Pius put out a public edict. Pope Innocent, I'm sorry. Pope Innocent put out a public edict saying, look, if you want some slaves, go get some, but get black folk. He put out a public edict saying, if you're going to enslave anybody, enslave black people. And once that hit, all of a sudden, everybody got interested in getting slaves. And that started the whole movement in 1488 and 1489. Now, something happened very important in 1495. Y'all know what happened in 1495, allegedly, for this guy who was over here looking for drugs and some other thing. What was his name? Columbus. Y'all remember that guy? Now, he came over here, and he supposedly discovered America about seven years after the Pope had put out his edict using blacks as slaves. Now, all of a sudden, he goes back to Europe. Everybody, a race started. All these countries got into a race to develop the Western world that Columbus said he had discovered. And what was the race about? They wanted to colonize and get resources, wealth, gold, silver, and cash crops from the West. And West well, they never knew that the Americas existed. There were, people in Europe never knew that there was a North America, Central America, and a South America. They got into a contest to explore it and to find it and profit from it. And, uh, and because at that time, prior to that, thank you, sir. Prior to that, the only, the only, can you all hear me as well without this? Which one, which one do you need? Can you, you need this one? Okay. Um, so prior to that time, they had um, Europe all through the 1400s. What they call that was going through what's called the Dark Ages. They, they, Europe was crime-ridden, impoverished, diseased, and they said, "Let's." Get, they said, "We can we can resuscitate Europe. 
We can strengthen this continent if we can find a way to develop the Western world, the Americas, Latin America, Central America, North America. If we can develop that country, we can bring ourselves out of a ditch as, Europe, as an European continent. And so they all said, well, how are we going to do it? They said, we need a labor class. So they all rushed down and picked up the Pope's edict and started grabbing blacks off the west coast of Africa. It was picking those blacks up on average about $25 a piece. And they started setting up, so they want a 1,500 percent return of their money. They started selling them for 400 some dollar a piece. And so they started shipping blacks all into this country in Latin America and Central America to put them to work as a labor class. Now, the countries that started at, 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 at race, it started with Arabs. Arabs were the first ones that started enslaving black folk. I don't know if you all know that or not. Arabs were, the, Arabs were the first ones that started enslaving black folk, and Arabs have been enslaving black folk now for 1,300 years. Arabs first started enslaving blacks in 765 AD when they marched into Africa in what they called in search of the three G's, God, glory, and gold. And they tried, they pursued Africa until the 12th century when Timbuktu, when they overtook Timbuktu and Timbuktu fell, then they started dominating Africa. But Arabs were the first ones. Portuguese were the second ones. Hispanics were the third ones. Then the Germans and the Danes. Then the French, then the English, the Norwegians on down the line. Then lastly was the American Indians. Everybody's enslaved black folk. And that's what a race was. A race, a contest started to develop the Western world. The rule was he who gets there first with the most slaves and make the most money will be the most powerful nation on earth. And the race began. Everybody was in the race to use. Everybody's enslaved black folk. And that's what a race was. A race, a contest started to develop the Western world. The rule was he who gets there first with the most slaves and make the most money will be the most powerful nation on earth. And the race began. Everybody was in the race to use black folk except black folk and begin shipping blacks in to America. And they shipped black folk in. <clears throat> they, they justified it initially by saying that it was, a, uh, it was an economic issue. Everybody knew it was an economic issue. It stayed an economic issue all the way from the 1500s up to the 1700s. In the 1700s, when the evangelical movement moved to this country, they switched enslaving black folk to make it a religious issue. Why? Because King James then wrote, when England took over the slave trade as the biggest one and started leading the slave trades and started beat, winning the race, King James rewrote the Bible called the King James Version. <clears throat> and even had, uh, what's his name now? What's, what's the uh, writer? Huh? Shakespeare and the rest of them write, all of them wrote to rewrote the Bible. And they rewrote the Bible, then they, they, they were, then since England was a dominating country for slaves, all the slave states were mandated to use <coughs> scriptures to justify the enslaving the black people. So religion then became a means, 
of codifying slavery. When the slave owners start teaching black folk, yeah, when, you, when you hear me talk about the white, the master and the slave in the Bible, on earth, it's the white man is the master and you're the slave. And you're mandated to do three, three things. One, to accept your station in life. Two, to be humble and obedient. Three, to work hard and don't steal and don't lie. And lastly, to look for pie in the sky after death. And that stayed true up until about 1880. At that time, religion was the justification for slavery. This is important for you now. Slavery then moved from being an economic issue to a religious issue. It stayed a religious issue up until about 1859, again, on the eve of the Civil War. On the eve of the Civil War, a guy named um, uh, Darwin, Charles Darwin, remember Charles Darwin? He wrote, a book, he wrote a book called The Survival of the Species or The Survival of the Fittest. And what he's been doing along with a lot of other pseudoscientists was trying to connect a linkage between the lowest and the highest in life. What he was saying is that, is an amoeba that's that small, is it greater or smaller than the elephants that's big? Is a blade of grass lower in the chain than a tree? And they kept making, setting up these vertical systems. They call them genuses and species going from the lowest of everything to the highest. But by that time, the white society had successfully redistributed by 1860 almost 97% of all the wealth and power into the hands of the dominant white society. The race was nearly over by 1860 or 1859 when Charles Darwin wrote his book. And they looked around and said, look, they're whites, now let's get to human beings. We worked out the relationship between slave, I mean, but between a, a bush and a tree and an amoeba and an elephant. But look at the black, the black has nothing, he's on the bottom, and the white master's on the top, he owns and controls everything with all the education. So obviously the white man must be superior to the black man. And so then all of a sudden, racism and the whole issue switched. Slavery and all switched from being, a, from being a religious issue, it became a biological issue. Then, that, then, then, then at, when it became a biological issue, all governments mandated that you must put a person's race on his birth certificate, driver's license, whatever it is. It became a biological issue. But the race was over then. When the race was over, they looked around. And since whites had used slavery for so long, whites own everything. Almost 100% of everything, 99 to 1.5% belonged to the dominant white society. The slave owned nothing. The white was on top, the black was in a ditch. The race was over. When the race was over and blacks had nothing, and whites had everything, the race ended. And what the society did then, they took the word race, R-A-C-E. They scratched the E off the end of race and stuck a suffix called I-S-M. I-S-M is a suffix which means keep the prevailing conditions, let nothing change. And that's where racism came from. The race was over. Whites wanted, they had everything. They took the E off the end of the word, stuck ISM, that's what racism is. Racism is a competitive relationship starting out to get wealth and resources and power. And But what they teach you now is that racism is, has something to do with liking people, getting along with people. That's not racism. And when I ask people, I said, do you know what racism is? They say it's prejudice. You cannot eradicate prejudice. 
Everybody got a right to be prejudiced. All prejudice is that you got a preconceived judgment or feeling about something based on previous experience. Right now, because of ice cream, I love, love burgundy cherry ice cream. So guess what? I'm prejudiced towards burgundy cherry ice cream. So now when I want some ice cream, I exercise my prejudice. As I'm going to get me some ice cream, some burgundy cherry ice cream, because that's what I'm prejudiced for. Now I say, now, where am I going to get it from? I've gotten a lot of ice cream from a lot of stores, half of one worth a quarter. That's what Baskin Robbins had the best. So now I'm biased towards which ice cream follow? Baskin Robbins. I'm biased to go there to exercise my prejudice. Now when I get into Baskin Robbins, I'll walk up and down the counter, looking at all the cherry mocha, the black chocolate, chocolate rock, peppermint juicy fruit. I look at all that ice cream. And then guess what I'm doing now? Now I am discriminating. I'm discriminating against what kind of ice cream I want to, to, to satisfy my presence. And so I'll pick, and I go down and I say, oh, burgundy cherry, that's it. Now, that, that prejudice, that bias, that discrimination has nothing in the world to do with racism. Don't let people keep tricking you by comparing prejudice and discrimination with racism. That's why all the gays don't say, well, we're just as bad off as black folk. We're, they're prejudiced against us. That has nothing to do with racism. You tell people, I don't care about your being prejudiced or discriminated. That doesn't bother me as a black person. I'm scared of racism. I'm scared of the fact you're going to own and control everything. That's what you should be working on. So everything you do in this city must go after eradicating racism. Not prejudice, not bigotry, not getting along with people, not bias. You must try to redistribute some wealth and resources back in the hands of black folk as quickly as you can. That's what you need to be working on. What up, what up, what up? It is your boy. L. L. Cool. Cow, 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 cow. Boom, boom. What up, what up, what up? It's been a long time. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in a minute. Look, we're going to jump right into it. We're not going to waste time tonight. Episode 50, you know it's going down. You know it's going down. Here at Calvin's Conscious Climbers, you know what it is. You already know what it is. You already know what it is. Episode 50. <clears throat> now, what we're going to do is something different, right? What's going on in today's world, I'm going to break down biblical Christianity versus American Christianity. And the reason why I'm highlighting American Christianity is because since America runs this world and since we are quote unquote founded on Judeo-Christian values, we have to really look at what are Christian values and things like that. because. As you can tell from the opening video from Dr. Claude Anderson, which was probably shot back in the 19, back in the 90s, because 
you know, he was much more portly around the stomach and now he's much slimmer. So this is much, this is an old video, but this video still applies today. Why does a video for almost 30 years ago about racial and economic justice still applies today? You want to know why? It's because it's like he said, people, this is racism. Evil people are in power. What have I been saying for the past year? We are expecting evil people to do right by us and we're trusting them based on what they tell us without holding to no standard. So now we're going to get into this. American Christianity, biblical Christianity. What do you mean, Calvin? I'm talking about we have a triple threat match. In this corner, you have liberal Jesus versus conservative Jesus versus biblical Jesus. This is episode 50, Christianity. <clears throat> I was going to a different route, but then I decided, not I decided, I just, God led me into this path, and we're going to get into this, because conservative, <laughs> everything is connected. We see what's going on in the Mideast and everything like that, but we're going to get into this, and let's let's take our time, and so American Christianity versus biblical Christianity. This will be a long, drawn-out series because we have to. I'm going to the beginning. We're starting at the beginning, and once we get the foundation in the beginning, then we can move on. So this episode is the foundation. I'm gonna go slow, catch up, learn, research, study on your own. Like I said, <clears throat> before we go any further. I am not claiming to be any prophet, any psychic. Uh, I'm not no pastor, no bishop, no angel came to me and, and rolled a scroll and made me eat it. None of that craziness happened. I just read the Bible. I believe in the Bible, right? And I see a lot of things that are going on out here that are wrong. And I feel compelled to raise my hand and ask some questions. That's all. By me reading the Bible on my own, doing my own research, it's causing me to raise my hand based on the narrative that's being presented to us. It doesn't make sense. I see a lot of holes in the story. So allow me to go through it, and hopefully I am deemed crazy. I pray that I am crazy, because what I am seeing, according to the Bible, and according to the news, and according to history, we have some crazy, evil, demonic people in power, and they are pushing for something that they think they want, but they don't really want it. And let's get into that. So <clears throat> liberal Jesus versus conservative Jesus versus biblical Jesus. So we're going to start out with this. Genesis chapter 9, verses 22 through 29. And Ham the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, 
he knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of slaves, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed by the Lord my God be Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. May God make space for Japheth, and let him live in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Now, why is that important? Because when you look at the genealogy of Noah, because um, Noah had three sons. He had a son named Japheth, which, who was the oldest. He had a son named Shem, who was the middle child. And he had a son named Ham, Ham, who was the youngest. And three, and both of his, all three of his sons gave him 12 grandkids. Each son bore four children. It's no coincidence that Noah has 12 kids, 12 tribes of Israel, X, Y, and Z, right? So this is how it all breaks down, right? So since Ham, so now we got to look at Ham. So Noah, since Ham, since Ham, hold up one second, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's getting good. So, <laughs> slave-holding Christians often justify the institution of slavery by appealing to the so-called curse of Ham, Genesis 9, 22-29, which I just read. In their interpretation, which first surfaced in the 16th or 17th century, which ties into the video that we played earlier in the show with Dr. Claude Anderson saying why they changed it. Why this? Why this? Um, this this horrible doctrine came up in the 16th and 17th century. It was due to the acceptance of slavery through religious means. The Genesis accounts established that God wills black people to be enslaved perpetually. Genesis does not support this interpretation. However, apart from the fact that the nature of Ham's offense against his father is unclear. Noah strangely doesn't curse Ham, but his son Canaan. Now, this raises a good point. Now, now, listen to this. It says, apart from the fact that the nature of Ham's offense against his father is unclear. Now, this is where the extra books of the Bible comes into play here, right? When you read the book of Joshua, it talks about when they disembarked from the ark, how Ham, he hid the, the garments that God clothed Adam and Eve with. So when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, God killed two animals. They don't say what kind of animals, I don't believe, if, I, if, I, if, I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. But God skinned those animals and placed those garments and used them for clothes for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve passed those garments down to their children. Noah got it from Abraham, I believe, because Abraham was hiding from Nimrod. Who was hiding from Nimrod? Someone was hiding from Nimrod. Abraham was hiding from Nimrod, I believe. And 
And um, Abraham, no, no, Abraham was it Noah, Moses. I'm sorry, it's Moses. Moses, Noah, Abraham. Anyway, I'm getting mixed up. So, the, so it was a fleece. And when they disembarked off the ark, Ham told Ham stole the quote unquote golden fleece. This is where Greek mythology comes in with the golden fleece. This this is what Greek mythology is talking about. It's talking about the actual skin or the actual hair that um that um God clothes Adam and Eve with. So Ham hid it because then after Ham he gave it to Cush, his son, because Ham. We check the news and see this. You got to look at the genealogy. Here's the genealogy of Ham. So Canaan is Ham's youngest son. So Abraham, I mean, not Abraham, Noah cursed the youngest of the youngest out of the 12. So here you have Cush right here. You can see that. This is this is Cush. Miseram or Egypt put in Canaan. Now, Noah, he didn't curse Cush. If he would have cursed Ham, then that means Cush, Egypt, put and Canaan will all be the curse of Ham, will all be under the curse of Ham. But Noah didn't curse Cush, Egypt, or put. He only cursed Canaan. Now, where Cush, Egypt, and put is that, that's an that's that's physically in Africa where Canaan is at is where the current war where the where the Gaza Strip the Mideast is at that's where that's the part that got that got cursed or this child got cursed the Canaanites got cursed not not the Cushites not the not the Egyptians and not the Puttites but the Canaanites got cursed and this is the reason why when you go down we, this is the reason why Canaan got cursed, because when you look at these other tribes that came from Canaan, these are the tribes that were always battling the children of Israel. These, go ahead and look this up. Conservative Christians, go ahead and look this stuff up. Because you have a lot of conservative Christians that... that that conservative Jesus, this is how conservative Jesus was born. Conservative Jesus was born when the slave masters were buck breaking their male slaves, raping their female slaves, doing pedophile acts to the slave children. And that Sunday, they would stand up in church and say, uh, I am saved by my Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ, whatever, whatever. And they turned Jesus white, they turned gave them um, blue eyes and blonde hair, and they created conservative Jesus. It's history. This is the reason why conservative Christians, they don't, they don't feel like America's racist. This is why you can never get a full conservative Christian to ever admit that America is still racist. <laughs> Liberal Jesus, I haven't forgotten about you yet. I'm going to get you to the end. So conservative right-wing Christians, you guys were raised on this theology. I'm not making this theology up. You guys were 
raised on his theology that this Bible verse, Genesis chapter 9, 22 to 29, actually it, it um, gave the go-ahead for slavery for black people. You guys twisted up scripture. Why would you twist up scripture like that? There's no need for you to twist up scripture like that. So look, as we look at the genealogy of Ham, so once again, Ham was not cursed. Ham, Canaan was impacted by his father's actions, but Noah did not curse Ham. Matter of fact, Canaan is a slave to Cush, Egypt, and Put. Because it all, see, once again, see, this is why it doesn't make sense. So how could how could a slave be a slave? So how could a slave have a slave? That's not that's not that's not proper. Because right here it says this, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they and they, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, curse be Canaan. Curse be my grandson. Curse be my youngest grandson. See, lowest of all the slaves shall be, shall he be to his brothers. Who is Canaan brothers? Who is Canaan brothers? Canaan brothers is Cush, Cush, Egypt, and Put. Then he says, may he also, he, he also said, blessed be, blessed be the Lord my God, be Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. And may God make space for Japheth and let him live in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his slave. So once again, look at the double entendres that's going on here, right? So Canaan, so since Ham did something foul, so when you look at the lineage of Ham, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the lineage of Ham that is that no one no one talks about. Like for example, when you look at the lineage of Ham, so let's look at the lineage of Ham again, right? So once again, Abraham did not curse Ham. Noah did not curse Ham. Noah cursed Canaan, who was oops, who was Abraham's youngest grandchild. Not Abraham. I keep saying Abraham. I keep saying Abraham for Noah's youngest grandchild was Canaan. He cursed the youngest grandchild, the last grandchild. Canaan was the baby. He was the baby. And Noah cursed him. He didn't curse Cush, which is in Egypt, which is in Africa. He didn't curse Mizoram, which is Egypt, which is in Africa. He didn't curse Put, which is in Africa as well. He cursed Canaan, which is in the Mideast, which is the home of Jerusalem. That's the area that he cursed for slavery. And it's no coincidence that the area of the Canaanites were also land of all these people that throughout the Old Testament God told him to utterly destroy them. So you also had the Philistines that had a famous, um, a famous 
Nephilim, that was Goliath and his and his brothers. But these group right here, these group of people right here, they were filled with all types of wickedness and idolatry to the point where God told um, um, Joshua, you utterly destroy them. You go in and you wipe them out. You kill the mama, you kill the babies, you kill the husbands, you kill the livestock. Anything living, I want it gone. And it's no coincidence that the areas, I'm going to show you guys a map next week. It's no coincidence that the areas where Joshua failed to get rid of these tribes, those same areas are hotbeds today, i.e. the Gaza Strip and the, um, and the West Bank. When you do your history and look at the West Bank and this, that, and third, and you look at where these tribes lived at, these tribes lived in those areas where we are having Mideast conflict today. This is all being orchestrated and it's all being manipulated. Now, you guys might say, Calvin, you sound crazy. And you might be right. I hope I am crazy. I hope I'm seeing something that I'm putting together that doesn't make sense. But when you think about the devil, think about how crazy Lucifer really is. Think about this. The Bible says we are made lower than the angels, right? And we feel like we have free will. We have free will. The angels, they have free will as well. Because if they didn't have free will, then one third of them wouldn't, wouldn't have decided to join with this. One third of them wouldn't have decided to join with the devil and rebellion with God. So that shows they have free will. Yes or no? I would say yes. All right. As we move on. Once you understand what Satan's role was while heaven was all good, then you understand how crazy Lucifer really is. Allow me to explain. When you read in the book of Isaiah, it describes the physical appearance of Satan, Lucifer. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I can't call him Lucifer. I can't call him Satan yet because he's not the deceiver. He was Lucifer at the time, which means light bearer because he was literally built with jewels in him. He had pipes and everything. He was the minister of music. His job as the high priest was to go into the holies of holies. So once again, when you look at the Old Testament, this is why the Old Testament tabernacle, I know it's, it's tedious and everything like that, but it's a good idea to read when Solomon first built the temple and it, and it gives a description of the inner chamber, the outer courts and what job, who does this? Because it's a, the tabernacle is a replica of what goes on in heaven. So you have the high priest was the only person out of everyone in the in the group to go in to God's most secret place into his throne room. Because just like with the Jewish priests, they would have this thing called the ephod. The ephod had 12 different colors of stones on their chest. They're going to the holies of holies, capture God's image or capture God's glory, come back out, shine the light on some type of um, skin and, the, and it would spell out some words and God would give him a message. Message. Now, you take that same scenario, you got the you got Lucifer that is going into the power source. 
because when the high priest went into Solomon's temple, he just got into God's presence. He wasn't actually in God's throne and God's throne room. Satan, I'm sorry, I keep saying Satan, Lucifer at that time, he was actually in the presence, in the actual, actual presence of the source of the source of the source. What he has, what kind of deluded thought to make him leave out of the source of the source to go back out into the courtyard and make him think he is God after he just left the very presence of God. What kind of scene did Lucifer must have beheld to see all them angels bow down? How many, I mean, I mean, think about that. That's crazy. That's like, Someone out here fronting like they got a million dollars, knowing that they're going back to the homeless shelter. Like the Bible says, oops, <laughs> the Bible says, you know, um, you are don't you are as foolish as someone looking at yourself in the mirror and walking away, forgetting what you look like. And that was Lucifer. He like he he beheld. The actual source of the, the power source that was connecting everything together. He actually captured this, captured God's glory, then went back out to the courtyard and said, Yeah, I am God in my heart. Wow. Wow. That's how powerful God is to make someone think that they could be God because just a reflection of his power. That's how powerful God is. That someone that knows better will say in their heart, wow, this is this is this is this is what this is what it must feel like to be God. I want it. And that thought has been infected, and that thought has infected us ever since. Because one of the first things the devil say to Eve is what? You will be like gods. Right? The same playbook. The same playbook. So to my conservative Christians, if you believe that slavery, that the one conservative, the Bible did not condone slavery, not the slavery that we think of. Like Dr. Claude Anderson said, hey, you're either slave because you owe someone money. You got into a dentured service because you need to pay for something or you was a prisoner of war. We didn't just go and just cop people just to, you know, we know. And then also in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it said, hey, if you have someone as an indentured servant, you are to treat them just like family. But they, but they use the word slave. And then when black people hear the word slave, we get triggered. <laughs> because it's like Dr. Claude Anderson said first, we were enslaved by the Arabs first. We had our natural religion, whatever that was at the time. Then we got captured by the Arabs who converted us to Islam. So whoever didn't convert to Islam, they got beheaded. They were called infidels. Then those got enslaved. And then here comes the Europeans. The Europeans saw how profitable the Arabs were. 
and slavery. Oh, let's 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 snatch, let's snatch up some 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 Negroes. We got Negroes to help build build America. Now we're going to indoctrinate them with Christianity, our version of Christianity, our conservative Christianity, so that way we could dumb down their minds but keep their bodies strong. That's what they use Christianity for. They whitewash Christianity so they could dumb down African Americans and make them feel less superior. And then they tied it all in with the Charles Darwin book to make it official. And this is why, <laughs> this is why we have what we have. It's no coincidence that there is a priest named Roberto R Riviera that states that the Vatican created Islam. It's no coincidence that it says that, and it's no coincidence that the Pope said it's okay to enslave blacks, and there's no coincidence that the Arabs were enslaving were the largest holder of African slaves. And it's no coincidence that the Arabs wanted to, um, the Arabs, they um, linked up with the British to get an Arab state after the First World War. And then they got jerked. And this is the reason why they haven't, but we're going to get into that. I'm jumping way, 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 way ahead. But I want to get this, this foundation set down first because once we have this foundation set, then we can move on to other things and this, that, and third. But we got two more slides to go, and that's and we'll be up out of here. But I want you so conservative Christianity, conservative Jesus folks, once again. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told two his, and told his two brothers outside. So if you follow the book of Joshua, I believe that that Ham might have used this time to distract his brothers to go back in the ark and go and go either steal that that um steal those animal skins that God put on Adam and Eve or he used that time to go hide it. And I think that's the reason why Noah cursed Ham. I mean that's why Noah was upset because Noah's like, "Dag, I fell asleep, I got drunk." And if they put clothes on me, that means Ham told these guys to come in here and when he was in here, Ham distracted them to go and and because now I can't find the daggone fleece. Now that's a very important artifact. You, you ain't gonna lay that around. You are not going just Noah just did not just dump that thing and just and, and just forget about it. No, I'm pretty sure when you start unpacking the ark, he's like, okay, where's this golden fleece at? Where's the where's the um ham chef J Pepper? I need y'all to come here. Which one of y'all touched? The dang on thing that God made for Adam and Eve. I can't find it. Because according to Joshua, it said Ham took it. Because because it says Ham gave it to Cush. And when Cush had his first son, his son was Nimrod. And then it said when Nimrod was 20, he, he took the fleece for himself and then he became the first world king. So there's something about this fleece that has something to it. So once again, <laughs> everything's connected. So conservative Christians, you cannot condone slavery because of that. And as I told you, and if you look at here, yes, Ham did do it, but Noah did not curse Ham. Because if Noah would have cursed Ham, that means Cush would be impacted, Egypt would be impacted, 
and put will be impacted and Canaan. But it said Canaan will be a slave to his brothers and a slave to his uncles. Come on now. So you cannot use him as an excuse as a, as an excuse for condoning enslavement, enslavement of dark skinned people in the, in the world. Because as we see here, it didn't say that. So now that you guys understand that, you need to ask the biblical Jesus to forgive you for following conservative Jesus. Now, let's check this out. Because y'all think I'm bugging. We'll be discussing the Islamic view of slavery quite a bit in the coming weeks. But when I go through the Muslim sources, I tend to quote passages pretty quickly without unpacking everything that could be unpacked. In this video, I wanted to take a close look at a hadith that I've quoted before and will quote again, just so you can see how much we can learn from a single hadith. Sunan An-Nasai, number 4625. It was narrated that Jabir said, a slave came and gave his pledge to the messenger of Allah to emigrate, and the prophet did not realize that he was a slave. Then his master came looking for him. The prophet said, sell him to me. So he bought him for two black slaves. Then he did not accept the pledge of anyone after that until he had asked, is he a slave? Now watch how many things we can learn about the Islamic view of slaves from this one passage. First, the heading says that this hadith is about selling animals for different animals of different amounts or quality. Nasai is considered one of the greatest hadith collectors of all time. He knew the history of Muhammad and his companions inside and out, and his scholarly conclusion was that slaves are on the same level as animals. Second, this edition of Sunan An-Nasai is Well, 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 man, I don't know what's going on, man, but obviously there's a bunch of hate going on in the world. Bunch of hate going on in the world. Anyway. Bunch of hate going on in the world. 
All right, let's see what's going on. Let's see if we can finish up this video. Because they're hating on him, brother. that the man was a slave. In other words, Muhammad didn't know that accepting this man's pledge was going to cost him something. Muhammad learned his lesson from this situation, and the passage says that after this, Muhammad would no longer accept the pledge from anyone until he asked, is he a slave? So Muhammad really didn't want to have to pay to free Muslim slaves who were converting to Islam. Now, to be fair, it is considered a good deed in Islam to free Muslim slaves. But Muhammad just didn't want to keep paying out of pocket, so he decided to be more careful to ask whether they were slaves before accepting pledges from them. Fourth, Muhammad owned black slaves. If he bought a slave with two black slaves, he obviously had black slaves. And we've seen in other videos that Muhammad had numerous black slaves. The Prophet of Islam bought, sold, and traded black African slaves. Muhammad could have bought the slave with money, but he bought him with black slaves. Black slaves were a form of currency for Muhammad and his companions. Fifth, the slave who made a pledge to Muhammad was an Arab slave, and Muhammad traded two black slaves for one Arab slave, suggesting that black slaves were considered less valuable and were therefore cheaper than Arab slaves. Hence the heading, selling animals for different animals of different amounts or quality. So, in Islam, slaves are comparable to animals, and black slaves were worth less than non-black slaves. How did these ideas become entrenched in Islam? To answer this question, we have to take a close look at Muhammad himself by watching this video, Muhammad, the White Prophet with Black Slaves. I also recommend taking a screenshot of the hadith we just examined and sharing it until people finally realize that a Muslim preacher claiming that Islam is a religion of liberation and racial equality in order to win converts tells us next to nothing about what we'll find in Islam's most trusted sources.
So I'm not gonna sit so here and say I'm gonna 